0: Well done. What a song. Would you pray with me? Lord, we have a reason to look up because of who you are. Would you instruct us this morning and teach us in the way we should go? Would you please counsel us with your eye upon us? That we would leave this place not only hearing your word, but living it out. What an adventure that is! And in that we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, if you were expecting uh, to see Todd up here, uh, I'm actually a Todd look-alike. Yeah, uh, a lot of people here in the church think that both Todd and I are kind of like twins. And uh, actually, I want to dispel that because it could not possibly ever be. I was born in Wisconsin, and, and he was born in Michigan, so it could never have happened. But <clears throat> anyway, we're glad you're here, and we also <clears throat> know that Thanksgiving is on its way. Who would have guessed it? You know, Wednesday, Thursday, Thanksgiving, here. I have a question, several questions to ask you this morning. Why are you thankful? Ever thought about it? And what if all of your stuff was suddenly taken away? Would you be thankful? The two words go together. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. giving. Love, marriage, horse, carriage, broncos, (laughs) which leads me to the book of Job. (laughs) I want you to understand that the book of Job is called a tragic drama. It's a drama. We love dramas. Don't you? Isn't that why you watch the movies you watch? The TV shows that you engage in, the books that you read, and also, why is not the reason that we watch the Broncos? <laughs> There's always drama on the field. But this drama you may not like because it involves you. It's easy to be a spectator, it's easy to sit back with our chips and our salsa. I always say to people, you know, I figured this out. The Broncos can win or lose with or without me. They really can. So I'm not involved. I'm, I'm a spectator. I don't even have to do anything. Job tells us that we're not a spectator. There are two stages that are operative in the book of Job. The stage, the first stage, I want you to understand, and these play out through your life as well as in the heavenlies. The first is the stage in heaven. It is the interaction between God himself and Satan, evil. We don't see that stage, but it acts out in your life every day, and mine, and in Job's. There is the stage in earth, and that is the stage that you and I live in. The big question this morning, and that's why I uh, put this question up on the screen, and I really make it in your face and personal. Do you love God for who he is? or for what you can get. I'll say it again, do you love God here this morning? That's in your face. For who he is or what you can get. The book of uh, uh, Genesis chapter 2 tells us that the reason that God created man is very simple. He created you, he created me, he created us so that we would love him for who he is. That's it. Well, you say it was easy in the garden. After all, Adam and Eve had everything, didn't they? (laughs) It was was a slam dunk in the Garden of Eden. We're not in the garden. Now the question is, can fallen man, Job in particular, but you and me too, because we live on a fallen side. We live in a world that's, that's sinful. Can fallen man, is it possible for fallen man to love God for who he is? or for what you can get. This is a real live drama in the heavenlies, here on earth, in your life and mine. But I'll tell you the stakes are high because I'll tell you what is at stake. When you decide to live your life out in a way that you love God for who he is, you validate the reason God created you. the Westminster Confession of Faith. What's the chief end of man? What is it that man would glorify or love God and enjoy Him forever? Let's see how that plays out. As Dr. Phil would say, let's see, is it working for you? How's it working for you? Well, let's step into Job, uh, the very first chapter. I'm going to read, you follow along, please. If you found it in your Bible, it's right before Psalms. So let's uh, <clears throat> let us uh, follow along as I read this. In the land of Uz, just want to stop there. This is a land uh, that is uh, actually east of Damascus, Syria. This is not. Uh, Job was not a Jew. The Book of Job was written hundreds of years earlier, and the Jewish. Uh, Canon adopted it 200 years probably later. The land of Uz is the land far, far away, like uh, Shrek might say. But the land of Uz is you and me. Uz. (laughs) In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless, upright, feared God, shunned evil, seven sons, three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all people of the East. His sons used to hold feasts in uh, in, in their homes on their birthdays. They would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering to each of them, thinking perhaps my children have sinned and curse God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on the earth like him, blameless, upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Satan's response, does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You've blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now... Stretch out your hand and strike everything he has. See the word, everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Got a drama going here, don't we? What will Job do? Will he choose to hang in there? Or will he simply chuck God, fold it up, and leave? Got a real life drama going on. Please remember two stages in the heavenlies what's at stake? Think about it. It It's played out every day in your life. The Lord's prayer says, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does that happen? guess that happens through you and me, or not through you and me. So we've got an issue here. Uh, We have Job. And he sounds or appears to be like a pawn between God and Satan, except the way God speaks of his, not really his son. It's an endearing statement like: consider my son. I love him. I love him with everything I am. And you know something? He loves me with everything he is. That's the way I created him. Genesis 2. That's the way it's supposed to be. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Does Job fear you for nothing? There's an interplay of the word nothing and everything. Sure, Job loves you because of all the stuff you've given him, all the goodies he's got. After all, you know, he's good for goodness sake, but really because of the stuff he's got. Take it away. He's going to curse you. So the game is on. What will Job do? So it plays out here, and we find that Job has everything taken or burned or stolen. In a flash, it's gone. Ever happened to you like that? I've heard from some of you. I know that the bottom has fallen out of your lives in some ways, in my way too. It ain't a pretty picture. What are you going to do about it? What will happen here? Well, it looks to me like Job, in the midst of losing it all, lost also that which is the nearest and dearest to him, and it was his children, kids. There are some in this congregation that have lost their children before they've lo- uh, they've died, and it's unfair. It's unfair. It is. Can you step into Job's shoes then? Of course you can. It really hurts. Well, Job simply says, towards the end of the chapter, he says, naked I came into this world, i.e. I came into this world with nothing. I leave this world with nothing. Whatever happens between the two nothings is blessed of God. No U-Haul behind a hearse. And he says, God gives and God takes away. Blessed be this God I trust. So it says at the end of the chapter, Job did nothing wrong. Nothing, everything. Nothing. <clears throat> Could you say that? Would you do that? Well, the plot thickens. Chapter two, maybe verse around four. Um, you will find that Satan says, sure, because Job still has something to lose. That's why he's still hanging in there with you. He has something to lose. His health. Take his health away, he'll curse you. For sure. Game on. His health is taken away. Horrible. Looks like he's in a barroom brawl. Sores all over his body, pain, headaches, horrible. Well, the first uh, person that meets him after this is his wife. Takes one look at him and she says, curse God. Excuse me for spitting. Curse God and die before you roll your eyes at the wife, that would be a normal response. Because it was her kids too that were taken. She's in shock. She has lost it all, everything she possibly could have. She's, and now her husband is this walking nightmare as far as his health. She'll have to take care of him, probably. Well, what are we going to do now? We're really in a quandary. Will Job? choose to love God anyhow. The plot thickens, and we have Job chapters 3 through 38 about. They unfold, and in there we're going to find out how did Job handle it? What did he do? James chapter 5 says he's an example of perseverance. How did he do it? Well, we'll get insights into that. I'm going to give you my little simple memory device, TLC. We always think of that as tender, loving care, don't we? Not today. We're going to look at it as the coping mechanism of Job. Job never, T, stopped talking to God. Job started L, listening to God. And Job, through that talking and through that listening, began to change the C. Therein, Job was able to persevere. So let's step in to this interaction. Because after uh, his wife said curse God and die, his friends come along. Uh, We we have friends, uh, Eliphaz, Zophar, Bildad. Names you should be naming your children. (laughs) Anyhow, uh, they came with good intention. But they, gave, they said, Job, it's a Middle East mentality. If you have a blessing, you have the goodies, and you've been good. So be good for goodness sake. Except it's clear that Job didn't have the goodies anymore, therefore he was naughty. He was bad. And along came the counselors, and they tell him that. Job, there's sin in your life. Job, there's something you better find out, because you're losing it quick. Look at you. Don't you love that counsel? I got that counsel from a friend um, when we first started this church 25 years ago. pretty comical when I think about it. It wasn't funny at the time. Um, Starting a church from scratch is really hard, and only God could uh, allow perseverance, believe me. And you're very fortunate to be a part of a church that's persevered (laughs) because God must like us. I think he even loves us. I was over at the YMCA because uh, I was trying to remove stress in my life, and one of the fellows that was involved with our church said, hey, you got a moment, George? Pastor George? Nice of him to honor me. He said, I, I want to tell you some of the reasons I can't stand this church anymore. When we started out, we were this, and we were all that, and now it's none of that. And let me tell you the things you have done wrong, and the church has done wrong, and I am so disgusted with this place, I'm leaving." Well, and at the end of it all, he said, there, 20 minutes of this. There, he said, I feel better. (laughs) I feel better? Oh, I felt like um, I saw, I was looking at the door, and there was a little crack about that big. I thought maybe I could just slide on the floor underneath that crack, and I could get out of there. That's the way Job felt. He's listening to his three counselors. They are reaming him. And he's saying, he goes back to the drawing board as he talks to God. Remember the T? He's talking, talking, talking. Never stops talking. Talking, talking to God. Not people. Trust in the Lord. Don't be fearful what men may say or do. Talking, talking, talking to God. He says, this isn't fair. I I don't follow the counsel I'm getting from my supposed friends. They seem to be thinking I really got something bad going on in my life. I don't. I'm the same guy after I lost it all as I was before. Wow. But Job is now being real in his conversation. He's saying things like, I am tired. I am angry. I'm lonely. I'm I'm tired of getting kicked around by everybody. In fact, Job is about ready to file a lawsuit. And he has a case. He's appealing to the justice of God. And where's your justice, God? I'm outraged. Wouldn't wouldn't you be? Well, we have a little inkling in Job chapter 19. I want uh, for you to read that or follow along with me. In the middle of all this, there seems like a little glimmer, not much. He says, oh, that my words were recorded. That they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool of lead, on lead, or engraved in rock forever, because I got a case. I know one thing in my head. I I know this. I know that my Redeemer lives. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Joe. (sighs) I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Job has it in his head. Handel wrote his Messiah, I know that my Redeemer lives. Powerful. The Redeemer uh, came to fruition in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Redeemer, the Messiah. Redeemer, Messiah, the one that rescues, purchases out of, us out of the slave market of sin, courtesy of his finished work on the cross. Job didn't know that yet, but he knew it was coming. Wow. And he yearned for it, that it might be true in his heart. Well, that's a little insight into Job and his talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. He's being transparent. He's being real. He's being honest. Please do that. Would you? David did it in the Psalms. Please be real with God. Lay it out there. I do it every day. I take walks. I run. I mountain bike, and sometimes I'm just laying it out there. Please do that. It's the first step in making it through. Only something happens. Uh, 38 chap- or Thirty-five chapters, chapters three through thirty-eight uh, unfold with this heavy uh, dialogue interaction. Then we get to chapter thirty-eight. And let's look in where we have things now. Finally, Job is through. In fact, God says, are you through? (laughs) Are you through? Is, Is that all? You got any more? Job is taking his dump truck and he says, there. I don't even feel better after all that. But there it is. Okay, you done? Done. The next four chapters are all about the character of God. Please, please hear me. Um, read those chapters. Chapters 38 through 42 tell us about the character of God. I'll give you an insight in a moment, but this is how it goes. There's a contrast. There's certainly, what are we going to do now? Why would Job want to love God after all of this? (sighs) Who knows? But we're going to find out. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that obscures my plans? (laughs) With words. There's the talking part. Without knowledge. Brace yourself like a man. I will a- uh, question you, and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand, Job. Tell me, George. Tell me, every one of you. Were you there? No, I wasn't. Kind of like sounding like Judge Judy now, isn't it? Like, whew. Job said, I want to build my case. I'm going to lay my-, I'm my day in court with you. And after the first four verses, he's not sure he wants that anymore. But what happens here is the, the amazing thing that Joe begins to listen. Do you listen to God? I've asked myself that question. Do I listen? I like to talk. You know that. I'm a talker. I can talk until, well, Gary and Judy have traveled with me, so they know I'm a talker. But I talk to God a lot. I hope you do. But do you ever listen? listening is not easy but this is what happens because when you listen to God you find out about his character you find out who he really is and so this is where we get insight into the character of God and and God begins to lay that case he says uh, first of all you thought I was good I am outrageously good you were outraged about the justice Let me give you something to be outrageously excited about. I'm outrageously good. Have you checked out the mountains out here? Have you seen the Pleiades? Have you seen the universe? Have you seen the galaxies? Have you seen the amazing complexity, yet the balance of all that is? And guess what? I did that for you, Job. And I did it for you, George. And I did it for all of you, so what are you going to do about it? Are you going to love me for who I am or you're going to chuck me? It doesn't stop there. It goes on and, and it says, you thought I was gracious? No. I am outlandishly gracious. Outlandishly gracious. You'll pick up on the narrative. It's about. It talks about this rain thing, rain in the desert. Why the heck would God have rain in the desert? No one even sees it. Maybe some flowers bud, big deal. No one ever sees them. It's it's foolish. Excuse me, keep spitting on people in the front row. It's foolishness to have rain in the desert. Even torrents, sometimes he says, come through there. Why rain in the desert? Well, I'll tell you why. Because I'm an outlandishly gracious God. When you think about the word grace, grace says it is God giving us what we do not deserve. The desert doesn't even deserve the rain, does it? It's not like you planted a bunch of crops there. But I love the rain to fall in the desert because I just happen to be an uh, an outlandishly gracious God. If I'm good to the desert so much more, would I be good and outlandishly gracious to you, Job? And you too. Does that solicit a response at all? well, if that's not enough, we, <laughs> we, we get into this over-the-edge love. And I'll use the picture of the ostrich. The ostrich. We don't see many ostriches here in Colorado, do we? Except on the ski slopes sometimes, but, or at Red Robin. I don't know. But anyway, the ostrich, if you have seen an ostrich, they're a, a really funny-looking bird. And even the Scripture, God would say they're really stupid. I didn't create the ostrich for his brains. He's a rather dumb bird, really. And God mentions that. Why the ostrich? Why would I give you the ostrich? In the picture of all of this and who I am, I gave you the ostrich because I love to watch the ostrich run. That ostrich can leave a horse in the dust. It's an amazing thing. I love to call it. I love to see it run if I love to watch an ostrich run, is not my love over the edge for you? Is that enough? (laughs) Would you respond to that? Well, that's how those chapters unfold. And there's a heck of a lot more in there, which I'd like you to read. Let's then get into uh, chapter 42 and verses 1 through 4, 5. This is sort of the culmination of all. We have Job talking, now we have Job listening. He's beginning to embrace, he's beginning to see, he's beginning to capture the character of the God that you and I, that's offered to you and I. Let's read this together or follow along with me as I read it. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask me, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. I'm talking, but I'm not really understanding things. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. My eyes, excuse me, My ears, not my eyes, my ears, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Something's going on here. There's an epiphany. There's a huge, massive shift. That which was in Job's head has now fallen into his heart. He says, I've heard about a God like you. Yeah, I've heard about you in church. I've heard about you, but now I see you. Michael W. Smith says, "Open the eyes of my Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you, to see you high and lifted up. right? and shining in the light of His glory, right? Do you see Him that way? When you see Him that way, and that's the way Job says that he finally saw God, it's a whole different shift. We're not going to debate the elders. Should we help or not help? Should I give a hundred bucks or not give a hundred bucks? It's all yours, Lord everything is yours i have nothing says job not only will i talk with you lord and you give me the freedom to do that not only am i going to listen now as to who you really are but i am going to change my attitude my life everything i have is yours and in that is found freedom and in there is thanksgiving remember thanksgiving They're attached at the hip. You can't have one without the other. Why would I give? Because I'm thankful. Why am I thankful? Because of who God is and not because of what I can get from him. Oh, there's a massive epiphany. That's what God wants for you. That's why I ask the personal question, do you love God for who he is? Well, you can say, that was nice, George. I prefer Todd really <laughs> you'll get him next week <laughs> but uh, I don't want you to leave just say that was nice uh, I can't wait for the Bronco game I want you to really take this question home with you do I love God believe me you are shortchanging yourself if you don't and this is what God is after in our lives he's not after your money he's after you It demands a response. Job said, Yes, it is possible for fallen man to love God for who he is. And every time you say the same yes, you are saying and validating the reason God created you. It's that big. It's huge. It's massive. Way. Never thought about it that way. Really personal. This morning, I, I do want it to be personal. And I want to leave you with a little challenge. The first is simply, do you know God? Have you accepted Christ? Have you come to God on his terms through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross? If you have not, he again is overwhelming you with who he is. Think about that. In a moment, I'd like to give you the opportunity. And even after the service, there'll be some folks up here and we'll pray with you if you like. That's a personal commitment to Christ. It simply involves you saying, Lord Jesus, I ask you into my heart and my life, and I want you to be mine. You say you love me, I'm saying it back. That's it. Sealing the deal. But also, as you look at Job's life, am I talking to God? Am I listening? And am I willing to change? Therein is found the freedom. Therein has found the capacity to persevere. There is the way that we crash through all the quitting points of life. I'll give you my story real quick. Some of you know it. Many of you that have been here for a long time have heard it. I accepted Christ in the United States Navy. I I went to church, but I got quite uh, disenchanted with it all. As a result, I ended up being a flaming pagan when I arrived at a retreat. I was educated in one of the best universities and learned that God didn't exist. And who needed him after all, except when I began to see death, upfront and personal. I flew search and rescue in the Navy, two combat cruises, lost 70 friends. When that happens, your ideologies don't work. They don't work. I went on a retreat, and there I listened to a man who uh, was in the Bataan Death March, and he uh, uh, was um, a prisoner of war. See, I wrestled with the story, why all this carnage? How could a loving God allow that? This man said that not only did he see it and experience it, and should have lost his life, but he came out the other end a prisoner of hope. I initially thought he was a little, few bubbles off. But then I began to say, what does he have going for him? And he said that he had said yes to the love of God. He had said yes to the forgiveness of God, and he has chosen to love that God with all of his heart, soul, strength, and mind. He began what's called Cadence International, which is Overseas Christian Servicemen Center. And they're all over the world proclaiming the gospel. He changed. He talked. He listened changed. Everything is God's. Nothing is mine. What a free place to be. My hands are open. How about you? Would you pray with me? Lord, we're, we're, we're struck by the amazing love that you showed Job and you show us. Don't let us leave this place. We also are struck by his gen- the generosity. In the epilogue, we see uh, you, Lord, uh, correcting those advisors for misrepresenting you. But you also gave it all back to Job. But in the process, you named his daughters. And you gave them an inheritance, those three girls. That's unheard of in the Middle East. Why would Job give? his inheritance to his daughters. They marry, they leave the home, and they, and Job loses his money. Could it be that's your character? You're generous like that. You, you gave it, he gave it to the daughters because it reflected the character of God. And you name those daughters, <laughs> what names you gave them? You gave them... Creamy, like a dove. The color. You gave them the name cinnamon. You gave them the word eyeshadow, decoration, like a cinnamon. We love to walk in to the kitchen and smell a cinnamon. Man, it's inviting. And you are darn. You ordain uh, or, or you. It's ornate. You have decorated it so beautifully. Why would you give these girls that name, Job? I guess it's because God is a beautiful God. And whenever your spirit is in a room, there is a fresh, inviting, freeing, enjoying aroma. Lord, may we be that. May that be us. If you are here this morning and have never invited Christ into your heart, biggest decision of your life God wants you to hear this, and he wants you to respond to it. Would you, in the quiet of your heart, say, Lord Jesus, this morning I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to fill me. And I thank you for coming in because you love me. This is what you want. And I am saying I love you back. That's it. And for all of us, as we look at what you have given us, Lord, may we have open hands to give back. Please. Because in so doing, we are embracing the very character of God. And we are validating the reason you created us. And we are saying we love you, period. Would you stand for the benediction, please? And now may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, his sweet smile upon you, send you in his peace now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Get your Christmas tickets. Please, what a chance to represent the nature of God. Thanks for coming. If you like, come on forward. We'll pray with you. We'd love to do that.